Hi colleagues, it's John Fischetti along with Scott Immig and welcome to episode 23 of We Will Get Through This, Transformative Leadership for Disruptive Times. Scott, it's TJIF here, although some people may be listening to it other days of the week. How are you? You're looking really good high above Newcastle. I appreciate that. Yes, it's a beautiful day inside and out. Um, really glad to be here with you. It's been, I can't believe this is episode 23. We've been Over at this for a little while now. Yeah, I, I think we want to share with folks, uh, Scott, so some reality that might be different from theirs in the current uh, context in the United States, in particular around Europe and South America, where the COVID epidemic is continuing to increase its number of cases and the deaths. We happen to be in a place where it's actually the other way. We're actually doing fine. Re regulations have come down. Uh, schools are back open. We've returned to sort of a old normal. And I'm, I know we need to be happy about that, but what are you observing as you go around town and with all your kids in school? What's, have we changed anything of our behavior from before COVID? Boy, it, it, it's, to me, I was, I was kind of observing that this morning. I was out for a walk, took the dog out for a walk and passed a half dozen cafes and groups of um, people sitting, you know, on the benches and up on the hill by the beach. And it's, it's amazing how you know, as we start to release our restrictions, it's amazing how quickly people are going back to what would what would be normal. I mean, I think the the concern and the anxiety that we felt before um, it's it's slowly, actually not slowly, it's quickly dissipating. And this um, this sense of I know that um, you and I were talking earlier about you know just simply washing your hands or you know the you know, the sanitizer that we use. It's, it's, it's incredible how just even those things, we're starting to pull back on being as vigilant about it as we were. Yeah, I think it's, um, as you go around town here, and I know you in the U.S. are both doing that and wishing you weren't because of the still amazing increase in cases and the, the worry that there'll be a big second spike. But I think it's human nature, but it's also a little warning sign for some of the things that we've been trying to make this podcast about. And if we segue from that reality, you know, in many places, this is the time of year where schools would be doing lots of testing. Mm -hmm. Or if they haven't, they would have been during COVID and those tests have been postponed either this year or for the foreseeable future. Is there a way we can keep that momentum toward building a caring, compassionate, learning-centered environment that's open and welcome, celebrating diversity and really caring and cherishing the opportunity we have as a community to help our kids grow and learn and just become great people. Those words during COVID we were worried about, we always have cared about it. There's amazing positive cultures all around the world. But in the rush to get test scores and in the rush to just get through all the hoops, I think we haven't prioritized it as much as we could. And I was feeling like we were heading that way. Mm -hmm. And I'd hate to think just because the mall was back open, we sort of gave that up. I, I think you're right. When you and I started these podcasts, you know, what, about two months ago, um, we were at a point where everybody around the world was, was going from business as usual to suddenly everything's going online. Every every school in in the world suddenly had this this challenge of how do we do what we do you know and in the next few days how do we do what we do but entirely online for a for a population that's at a distance and we did it we we made it work and the people who are listening are the ones who who did it and i think that's 
that's you know the the fact that they were able to do it gives me hope because of the fact that um, we're at a point now where I I think we need to keep that spirit. We need to keep that spirit of all right. Let's let's think about the next big initiative. The next big initiative is coming back to business, not as usual. The next big initiative is coming back to business um, in this. I think you've called it normal X, where you know where empathy, where caring, where these we're going to build these places where kids come and they're excited and they're engaged. Absolutely. And I think the critical element, as I've seen it, is a lot of our really top students who have been so anxious during the time that they've been, you know, out in, in isolation. And in the U.S., that'd be students who are graduating now today from schools that they haven't been in in the last two or three months. But in Australia, the second half of the year is still coming up to make that happen. Uh, how we take some of that anxiety back off of their shoulders, that they're not behind anything and they're going to be fine. But more than that, we care about them as individuals. And we each student needs their own sort of roadmap. For some, they appear to be doing fine, but actually they're very anxious and maybe not sleeping. For others, they're obviously very worried and they're accentuating that conscientiousness with a little extra dose of worry. And for some, they may have checked completely out. In, in New South Wales, 20% of uh, all the year 12 class may just still be AWOL right now. And that puts them at risk of not actually completing. Now, there's always a percentage that's there, and we may or may not uh, have focused on that. But a lot of those are just a, a reaching out away, a, a phone call away or a text away from saying, let's have a conversation. Because I think that many of our young people have tapped out uh, which is a very sad thing to say. So at all those spectrums, there's not one right answer, but a school that brings that caring, compassionate, empathetic, and really focused on the individual success will really be not worrying about the other stuff as much as that until we get everybody feeling like they're okay, uh, even in the uncertainty that's still ahead with COVID and the world and the other crises we're dealing with. It, true. I, I think, you know, before all this, there was there was a great deal of research out there that showed about forty percent of kids are coming to school disengaged anyway. You know, they they weren't they didn't come to school to actually sit and listen and take in what was being shared and become a part of become a part of the class. They they actually came because that was what was expected of them. Um, so, we, you know, we may be at that forty percent. We may be at fifty percent right now who are disengaged. I, I don't know, but you know, this is again, this is this is the moment because we have this great opportunity, and I think that's been the theme all along of this. The theme all along is, um, you know, we're going to get through this, but we're going to get through this in a better way. And so, you know, if if we have principals who are listening and can take a purposeful approach and can take a purposeful approach with their staff members, and if we say, look. We're coming back, and students are now physically back in our buildings. And, and you're right, in the U.S. and in other places of the world that are listening, they're not there yet. But as we're reopening, we're not reopening to to get students in to do what they were doing. We're getting students in, you know, to do something new. Because, um, you know, if anything, we've proven over just in this really short amount of time that we can do some pretty amazing things in our schools. Yeah, I think then the priorities have to stay changed, not just be changed for a couple of months. So I think what we're saying is well-being has to be at the top of the list and for creating a positive and, and really student-centered culture, but also with respect to what parents have been going through. 
uh, and the turmoils that are socioeconomically and, mm-hmm. and socially that, that many families are experiencing and will be experiencing for a long period of time. And I think if you took away improve our test scores as the number one goal for this year and put well-being, that would be something that would stick post-COVID. It yes. doesn't mean we don't want kids to do well. It just means we might change what they're doing well in. Um, and I think it also means that if some of the state agencies and accreditors have allowed us to back off on worrying about covering content that might be expected in the syllabus or the curriculum guides and really go deeper. When we were home in school, they allowed us to do that. Well, if we're back in school, they still allow us to do that. We're supposed to teach big concepts that are in that syllabus. And quite often we expect we're supposed to go line by line. If we did that, all of a sudden, some of the engaging things we're doing in school from home allow us to stay where there's much more student creation and invention and ambiguity and really self-regulation. So we're not spoon feeding them. Let's not go back to having it dictated with one, two, three. Maybe we give them one and three and they have to figure out two. Or (laughs) maybe we don't know what three is because they haven't done the work yet. And then I think it's really just crucial that we find a way in our plans to give kids the chance to really um, have the, the flexibility to use some of these technologies, which were banned in some places, all of a sudden encouraged and mandated during COVID, and we don't take them away at the schoolhouse door. So I think the hardest part of this is going to be able to use some of the the engaging smart technologies for good. There's a lot of bad that can be done, and we're going to have to reckon each state, each province is going to have to do it its way, I think, because there's different values in different places. But to think I would be able to have the library I could use in my phone when I was homeschooled and not be able to use it at school is just a contradiction in where we are today as a society. But with perfect... um, purposeful ethics and and training on no tolerance, zero tolerance for any of the dark side of things that are available. And that um, is no different than when we play with fly, fire in a chemistry lab. You know, fire can be used to heat the, the substance so we can do the experiment. It could be used to blow up the school. Um, we want it to be used for the proper method. And I think the fire that's in our phones, we want to make sure people keep under control and it's done for good. But my guess is 99% of all kids with a little lecture and a little lesson and a little video of something will do the right thing. And so I think that technology uh, can also create for teachers access to resources where they can let kids go deeper without a lot of extra teacher work to provide the materials we used to when we'd have to roll a cart of books from the library or print out all this stuff in packets for kids. And we got it all right there in front of us now. We really don't need to make that happen. So I'm, I'm wondering if that might be the trickiest thing at all, letting kids use what they got to use at home back in school. I, that's a, a great point. And I think the, um, I think technology combined with what you started off by, by talking about the fact if we combine technology with this idea of actually freeing up kids from a lot of these end of year expectations, we've got a generation of year 12 students, year 11 students who are going to look back on this in five years and 10 years and say, I'm in this career. I'm doing what I'm doing right now because of what happened when I was 17. Um, there's, there's, they're going to be on this new trajectory because, um, you know what, maybe they take a risk. Maybe this year is the year they take a risk and they, they really dig deep into the subject that you know, they, they kind of worried about. But now it's because they don't have that, that looming weight at the end of the year, that end of grade test or that, um, you know, in the U.S., maybe the SAT or whatever it is. Um, I think we're going to find that we have kids who become, you know, the artists or the engineers or the inventors that um, would not have even taken that leap. 
Absolutely. I think it may have already happened in people making choices that teaching is a really valuable profession, that nurses are first responders, that people who work in supermarkets are heroes mm -hmm. in a health crisis by allowing themselves to be there to s serve us the food we need. It's like, oh, so I think there's a whole new generation of respect for jobs that may have gone under the radar previously. So you're right. I think major aspirations modified. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's also really important that we recognize in this well-being component, there's things going on at homes that kids need to be able to process and think through at school. There's been a lot of pressure. The divorce rate, at least in Australia, is apparently going up because the separation rate is going up in terms of lawyers being contacted. Mm -hmm. There may have been in certain places double the alcohol consumption uh, because of people being at home and, and maybe using alcohol to self-medicate during this difficult time. There's been a lot less movement, even though you wouldn't know it from where I go running because it seems like I'm running into every bicycle you could ever find. Uh, but we're going to need to get kids healthy and well and also realize some of the families have been under stress and they may be manifesting those stresses at school. For them, school may be their outlet their safe place, their place to be them. And we want to make sure we don't steal that away from them by going back to rigor in the wrong way. Um, and, and to really re give them a break if they're exhibiting some of those stresses of coming from families that may have had choices made for them, or maybe they've unfortunately made that have put kids at risk. It's a really tricky time. It's yeah. tone as much as anything too, I think, Scott. It is, and I think this goes back to how we started with this notion of um, things are getting back to normal, but we have to realize that it's it's not really normal. It just looks like it. You know, we're above the surface right now, and all these children, all these students are coming back to school, and the teachers as well, and the leaders. They're all coming back to school, um, different people, and I think if we can, if, if our listeners out there can make um, well-being front and center, as you said, if they can make it their first priority. We're going to get back to normal. We're trying to get we're trying to get the schedules in place. We're getting students in the building, and every every decision every decision we make is about how's this going to impact the well being of our kids. Yeah, totally agree. I think it's also in our attitude when somebody comes up a little short in the academic expectation, we give them a little extra slack. You know, the fact there was a deadline that it was Tuesday was arbitrary to begin with. If we get it Wednesday, it'll be fine. I'm not trying to be lax or we're spoon feeding them or lowering standards, mm -hmm. but we're going to have to appreciate that we gave them flexibility for a few months. And in most cases, it was going fine. We can also have that flexibility as long as it doesn't create new work for teachers. In most cases, it just spreads the work out. So all of those realities that we were willing to put in place over the last few months, we'd like to carry them forward. Because in the sessions I've been having with teachers around the world in the last few weeks, they've really appreciated it. Uh, they've appreciated the chance to see students in action in new ways, a chance to really honor flexibility and assessment, and maybe less pressure that they had to accomplish what the minister wanted and more about what they knew. Because uh, ultimately, teacher marks and teacher judgments are the best source of information on how a student's going anyway. And if we just rush back to just covering material, we won't know how they're going because we don't take time to ask. Exactly right. So let's put our faith in the in the people who know what they're doing. Let's put our faith in the teachers, and let's um let's make well being front and center. Yeah, and we might want to learn from our early childhood and kindergarten teachers uh, from that because they did to do that every day. Uh, maybe more than some of the rest of us up the up the food chain do because that's their modus operandi working with younger children for sure. That's exactly right, John. I've enjoyed this conversation.
Yeah, it's great to be with you, Scott. Um, episode 23 will bring to a close. Uh, our assignments uh, for anybody who's doing our homework, which is no accountability at all, is to really look at your school plan, see if you can actually move some things up that you didn't think you could earlier this year. And if you didn't have well-being there, we'll, we'll recommend putting it number one. And some of the other things we talked about might have triggered what works for you. John, nice to see you. Hope you have a nice week.